Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Afterwork Drinks, your weekly dose of news, pop culture, and Pinot Noir, brought to you by magazine editors and best friends Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill. Hello, everybody. Hello. Back in your ears again after a very short break. I know, I've got nothing to say. Yeah, this is the whole episode. <laughs> it's over now. No, but it was actually so fun going to the International Women's Day event and recording that episode. It's like it is actually so nice to partner with people who care about the same things as us i know and i think i saw some like criticism that people had of international women's day of people kind of using it as a chance to talk about how much they love their mom or their friends which is fine but that sometimes that can mean the actual tangible action that will help people is ignored so i think being able to work with something that's raising money for you know women's education in the third world feels quite good yeah (laughs) I know. And also even talking to Halima when we spoke in our interview, because she's a UNICEF ambassador and she was telling me that she literally was a UNICEF baby in the refugee camp. I didn't know that it was. So she said the reason that she could enjoy um, Kokomba refugee camp in Kenya, which is where she grew up, was because of the work UNICEF did. And so she's literally seen it firsthand. Because you know how when you do it, when those charities approach you, even with World Vision, uh, is it World Vision? Yeah. Mm. I had a sponsored child from a really, really young age. Same. Did you? Yeah. Cute. I used to write to me all the time and I always just would forget to write back. <laughs> Is that you bad sound to like me. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, but I, I would always wonder whether the money actually was going towards them. So to hear that um, Halima literally saw that money being used so that she could have an education and grow up it's like it's such a full circle moment exactly before the event we interviewed tasia van Rie, who's an artist la-based artist and larson thompson who's a model dancer and actor 
And it's funny because before interviewing them, I didn't know all that much about either of the two women really at all. And it, it was just quite cool to feel, feel like we were being brought together with these women we never would have expected to have so much in common with. It just goes to show that you can have women who come from totally different industries or different places or, or whatever it is. And that this kind of question of equality and empowerment is something we will have, all have in common because it affects every single person's life. Mm. There's not one woman you could meet and talk to and not find some common ground about discrimination they've faced or something they've dealt with or inequality that they've had to deal with in their life it's like this completely unifying thing and it's another thing that uh reminded me which we've spoken about a bit recently but it just reminded me of how little we can know about someone and how little you actually see through social media yeah totally and even so last night i was scrolling and i came across a um speech halsey did two years ago at the women's march and it just been reposted for international women's day and I was like, I knew, know nothing about Halsey. I've never really listened to her music or I've never read like, an interview by her or anything like that. And then stopping on this speech of hers and finding out that she'd been sexually assaulted and her talking about all of these uh, horrific sexist things she's been through in her life, even leading up to when she was really famous. And she said that she, she didn't think... That's exactly like Rose McGowan said, how she, was, she became famous and... She, I think the night that Harvey Weinstein allegedly raped her, she said, I think my life's going to be better from here because it just doesn't stop when you're, you know, you think yeah, you're you going to think... be immune to it once yeah, you've got the power. Halsey talked about how she thought she would have immunity once she became one of the biggest pop stars in the world. And the sickening thing is that even that you have more power than 99.99% of women at that point and you still don't have power over a probably average everyday man. Mm. And that's so terrifying and upsetting. And that speech was so Keisha, powerful. Yeah gonna insert a bit here yes it's 2018 and i've realized that nobody is safe long as she is alive and every friend that i know has a story like mine and the world tells me we should take it as a compliment but then heroes like ashley and simone and gabby michaela and gaga rosario ali remind me this is the beginning it is not the finale and that's why we're here and that's why we rally it even reminds me of kesha mm. it is so crazy what she went through yeah it's nuts it's like every single major female celebrity has some kind of not even just run-of-the-mill story like horrendous story but then yeah and that's exactly what halsey was saying is like every woman has a story so then because obviously these big celebrities are speaking out about them so we are knowing their names and knowing their stories but every run-of-the-mill woman watching that would have a story i think this is the terrifying thing that everyone's kind of waking up to even more now is that so many of these situations were so cloaked in shame and guilt and confused feelings and not really understanding what happened and it's now that women are finally starting to be able to freely talk about it that everyone's realizing even more i think than we already kind of anecdotally realized that every woman has a handful of really messed up stories mm. and i mean every single woman i can't think of a single woman i've met and spoken to that was like oh just nothing's happened mm. you know there may be degree and variances of how serious they are and we're very young and we're part of a different generation and we still know for ourselves and all our friends that's the case. And you brought up when we were talking about this E. Jean Carroll. Yeah. How she literally wrote a book about... The 20 or 50 bad like men 50, or 45 men or something <laughs> of the worst men that she'd ever had to deal with. And they were all cases ranging from sexual harassment to sexual assault to just 
being fucking horrible. Yeah, and Donald Trump was number 20, and that was him allegedly raping her in a bathroom. And oh, no, sorry, dressing room. Yeah. That's crazy. <sighs> it's hard not to get... <laughs> Angry. Really fucking angry sometimes. I know. Last night Grace texted me because we our text conversations are just all over the show. And um we'd been WhatsApping because I got home and was watching Back with the X on Netflix yes. and Grace was ahead of me and so she was um telling me she was giving me hints of what's to come and that was Peter's bare butt. But um <laughs> we were texting about that and then I found this Halsey thing and then when I was watching it I was crying and then Grace went to text me about something exciting again. I was like, No, we're on a completely different level right now. I know. Because I've seen her that on Instagram, she hadn't seen it yet, and then she replied like an hour later crying about Halsey when I was back to back with the ex. <laughs> I know. We really are all over the place. But even back with the ex, I think if maybe people had already seen it in Australia, but we're just catching up on it on Netflix now. As you probably heard now, kind of all over the show, scat recap from last week, which we're really sorry about. The episode was fucked. It sounded like two individual brain cells, like, (laughs) bouncing around a small room. I was so... Talking about Peter and Diane for 20 minutes. I literally couldn't string a sentence together. Someone emailed us and said, I love you guys, but you're ruining Love is Blind and back with the ex. And I was like, I'm so sorry. We're really sorry to everyone. And we were like, we want to eat that episode from... I'm going to just go back and delete it. We're like, we want to cut out all of the back with the X and um, Love is Blind content. But if we do, it'll be a six minute episode oh, about the coronavirus epidemic. So we can't. <laughs> so sorry about that, guys. Sometimes all the prep in the world of the podcast just, well, I mean, we didn't do much prep for that <laughs> at all. But even if, I feel like even if we did try and prep for it, nothing would have happened because mm. we just little sleepy dumbasses. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I wanted to say about Love is not sorry, back with the ex now that we've watched till the end, is that there's so much messy emotional abuse in that show. It's like it's the most kind of lowbrow trash TV reality situation and it still somehow shines a light on how horrible men can be to women. Yeah, well, exactly, but that's the thing with Married at First Sight and uh, what's that one that I was just obsessed with? Love Island and The Bachelor is so many, especially Married at First Sight, always shows these controlling men, this abuse, manipulation, coercive control. It's it's crazy. And yeah, so uh, what's his name? Love is Blind. God, I've forgotten their names. No, back with the ex. Oh my yeah. God, why there's so many reality TV shows? Uh, even back with the ex. And Eric. Eric. Eric's so evil. But actually, okay, this is something I find interesting and I'm interested in what your take on it is because this has always been my view of the patriarchy is that the men who kind of enforce it the worst sometimes also seem to be kind of victims of it, which I know sounds like a weird thing to say about someone who forced his girlfriend to get weird haircuts and would only see her once a week and is obviously a very controlling not particularly nice person but the way he kept talking it was like he was posturing to the way that he thought he was expected to behave as a man mm. so he kept saying things oh boys know what it's like the old ball, ball and chain when he met with the guys he kind of said oh you boys know how it is you know don't want to let us stay over too often and things like that it felt like he was Trying. checking that that was the right behavior it didn't feel authentically yeah. kind of the way he was and i just wonder how many times when this happens it's because Men are taught you need to bulk up, be physically big. Is he's like clenching her fist right now? Thinking 
thinking of Eric. Yes, I hate Eric. Angel Lauren. I know. I just, I just wonder well, how exactly... much this is a system which everyone's operating under and which people are treating people terribly and people are being treated terribly and actually neither party wants that to be happening but this patriarchal system is a, is a, a kind of oppressing everyone. But it's exactly like that Boys and Sex book and yes. the Fresh Air episode where Terry Gross interviewed the author and she said that all the time, we've talked about this on the podcast, but all the time she would interview these teenage boys and the teenage boys would say, I don't really like hookup culture and I don't really like sleeping with someone I don't really know but I feel like I need to do that and then girls were just like, I don't like that either no one was having fun and the guys every time they tried to kind of not do that or stick up for women when guys were doing a locker room chat they would just get bullied exactly and i think that it's in this sense that was probably actually to me the most interesting part of the whole back with the ex episode was when you had all the men come together and meet each other for the first time and eric was talking in like a really messed up way about lauren kind of bragging about how he tried to give make her get a boob job and bragging about how he wouldn't see her very often and it all felt very fragile this kind of macho persona he was putting on but the only person in that group of four men who said anything was cameron who's a little angel but he was by far the youngest person there and he said that's really messed up i don't think you should treat your girlfriend like that and peter who's in his late 50s and jeremy who's in his late 20s who this guy probably would have listened to more and respected their opinion more stayed silent Mm. but you could tell they both thought it was wrong and i think that that to me is probably what keeps these men acting like this because i know from my own personal experience a guy can be saying really messed up things in a group of guys and I'll be sitting there and feel really uncomfortable and afterwards all the guys will say oh my god how bad was that but no one said anything to him yeah exactly and that keeps the whole system just ticking along because these kind of strange guys are overcompensating and then the men around them are making them feel like that's normal even though they don't think it is yeah because it's too awkward to say anything yeah and what we were talking about earlier is basically because Grace was saying I need to hunt down the author of this climate change book and marry him yes David Wallace Wells he's his husband um because I'm so obsessed with all of that and I said that when I was watching Misbehaviour I saw this journalist protesting apartheid and thought god that's hot Mm. and Grace just goes yeah imagine if every woman prioritized men who treat women well and men who are feminist and men who like Cam stick up for women's rights then all of those men who do the locker room chat and think that that's how they're supposed to act wouldn't act like that because it would be obvious that no one wanted them to yeah exactly and women aren't picking quote unquote bad guys because they hate themselves we've been conditioned to think that we need men who are aggressive and alpha and who can look after us and don't treat us nicely that's literally how women are conditioned to put up with things but if we could just have this radical shift where women just will not go out with any man unless he's a respectful feminist yes. woke, <laughs> lovely, gentle, kind king, then everything would shift because so much of the way that men behave is supposedly because they want to be sexually attractive to women. Mm, but women but... don't find it sexually attractive. So what's going on? Yeah, exactly. That's why I think it's great that Lauren has come a long way and stuck up for herself. Same. I don't want to keep wrecking the show, though. And also, I don't know if anyone cares about this random show that was on Channel exactly. 7 about four years ago. I Everyone's... think it was filmed in 2017 Everyone's um, watching Married at First Sight at the moment, and uh, we just can't watch it. So we're talking about a show that was on TV three years ago. <laughs> Up to date content. <laughs> 
I also um, have been playing catch up because we had a wild two weeks and I basically ingested nothing but champagne and uh, <laughs> pasta yeah. and bread. And I finally caught up with a an article Lena Dunham wrote for The Guardian on Carolyn Flack's death and it was posted in our Facebook group. Um, and it's such a brilliant piece. Lena Dunham lived in the UK. I think she lives here now currently, but she was living here last year when Love Island was on and it was Carolyn Flack's last season and she said that she became completely obsessed with her and would Google her and read everything about her, which is currently what I'm doing with Goo Goo. Um, Mabatha Raw. I literally watched this weird rom-com with her in it last night. But uh, And she said that her death is just such a kind of reminder of the way of how women in the public eye is showing to such a perfect degree the impossible standards that we hold every woman to. Mm. And because they're in the public eye, you can just see that so much more clearly. So all of the things that people loved Carolyn Flack for, like her being outspoken, her being bubbly, her wearing crazy outfits were also the same reasons people tore her down. And she said that exactly kind of like Taylor Swift was saying in that Miss Americana documentary, that a woman in the public life is used to just this constant temperature check. So every day you're trying to gauge whether or not there's blood in the water around you that day. Exactly like Meghan Markle. She'd mm. wake up some days and it would be like, oh my God, we love Meghan Markle. She's a feminist queen. And then the next day it would be tearing her to shreds. And just how that's just so not... Yeah, and it is... It's, it's, I always think about things like um, Anne Hathaway and Jennifer Lawrence as well and mm. how we do just have this culture that's obsessed with bigging up. I think the bigging up women is sometimes the fatal thing because we put them on a, a pedestal in a way that we don't put male stars on a pedestal. I know everyone kind of loves Timothy Chalamet, but it's not that... The internet's BFF, J-Law, so funny and relatable, telling stories about getting and, drunk and eating ice cream. Or... And also Timothy Chalamet, we love him. And it's kind of the same. I mean, both Timothy Chalamet and Harry Styles, like, we love them. But I've never really given too much thought about his relationship with Lily Rose Depp. I don't know if they're still together. I don't know how they met. I don't know what they did. But whereas female celebrities, you know everything about their dating life. You know everything about their personal life. You know that uh, Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds met while they were on a double date for trying to set each other up with friends and then they fell in love across the table and it was really awkward and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't know anything about these male celebrities' personal lives. Yeah, exactly, because I think we don't feel entitled to it and I think that what happens with women is that we are taught from a young age to get our self-esteem and self-worth from others and so, and that's kind of what Lena Dunham touches on in this piece. And so when you become a young woman and you become famous and everyone's obsessed with you and adoring you, you buy into that because of course you're going to. And then as soon as the public sees you buy into it, they want to flip it and say, well, who do you think you are? Mm. And cut you down. And there's that amazing line about how one of Caroline Fleck's final Instagram posts was kind of asking people to be kinder. And then she wrote... Kindness is worthy and necessary, but I would ask that we also consider our ability to accept contradiction, complexity, and grey areas in the women we idolise, and consider the violence of suspending them in midair above us and then cutting the harness. And that's so amazing, because that's exactly what we do. We put women on these pedestals that they literally cannot live up to, because it's impossible, mm-hmm. because they're a three-dimensional person. Yeah. And then we absolutely relish joyfully in like knocking them off the pedestal that we put them on in the first place. Mm. It's like a public sport. It's horrible. Yeah. And I feel like Taylor Swift has had to deal with that so much. She's a perfect example. And some women just managed to miss out on that. 
even though they're super famous and it's by keeping themselves by basically shying away from that as much as humanly possible so i feel like someone like margot robbie is so 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 famous and everyone knows her name and everyone does love her but i think that she perfectly kind of steps away from the line like just hangs out with her normal friends just goes on holiday with her mates from australia and doesn't really do all that much apart from press for movies and that's how she stays kind of just on the edge of it yeah and i remember alicia vikando when she became massive and i think brie larson is the same mm. i think both of them are mm-hmm. emily in- blunt yeah i think i've read interviews with them where they've said we kind of actively have seen it's like i feel like jennifer lawrence was the canary down the mine of internet culture yeah but she was the first internet celebrity that everyone became completely obsessed with i'm obsessed mm. with her she's the internet's bff whatever and amy schumer is probably another example and lena dunham um and that other actresses saw the way that played out and have kind of now intentionally avoided it mm. and would rather be aloof and private and, and not, not engage and not on Instagram and not on social media and play no part in it because they've seen how dangerous and destructive it can be when you do. Mm. Which is unfair. So unfair, especially for someone, as you just said, like Meghan Markle, who didn't ask to be... No one asks. Like, you're not asking by it, for it by being an amazing Oscar-winning actress. But, yeah. I mean, someone like Meghan Markle just could not avoid this level of fame and scrutiny mm-hmm. by virtue of who she fell in love with. And now... And, yeah, speaking of Meghan Markle, she has been back in the UK. We missed her. I did really miss her now that I've noticed... Now that she's back and stepping out with Harry and wearing those incredible outfits and then matching and they're under the umbrella smiling at each other. I'm like, God, I miss this content. She looked so beautiful, yes, but just radiant and happy, happy, glowing. Like she'd had a six-month eat, pray, love. But I feel as though she can't actually feel that way. She must be feeling so nervous and so on edge and so crap about being back. She looks well-rested and happy, but I feel as though that can't be the case. If she, if Archie's in another country, she's back doing her final thing as senior royals, clearly the royal family are pissed. She wouldn't be... Mm. She, I reckon she'd be on edge. Yeah. But she looks gorgeous, and they look happy. Yeah. I feel like it's a sad thing for the, the British royals... To lose them. To lose them, watching all of this. Even that international impromptu International Women's Day event she did at the high school and she got a young boy from the class to come up and talk about why International Women's Day is so important and just the images that came out of it just felt so modern and, like, inclusive and fresh and mm. relevant compared to the remaining royal family. I don't know. I just think in the long run it's going to be a huge loss. Yeah. I think the Queen feels that way too. Yeah. I think they wanted to embrace them, but I don't know. I really would like to know exactly what happened because I think I always think of it as the press was tearing them apart, but there was probably more to it. Maybe they were holding them back from doing all the things they wanted to do. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what they do next and how that plays out because it will be impossible to separate them from the royal family and whatever they do next. So in that way, if they're doing amazing philanthropic things, but it's in... America, it will still reflect positively on the Queen, I think, mm. because you just won't be able to separate those two images. It'll mm. still feel like modern royals. Yeah. It's as long as they don't start doing something quite rogue, but I don't think they will. It looked so weird when... So they so their final event was the first one where they were with Kate and William again, and there's a video of 
Megan and Harry sitting down already and then Kate and Will walking in and Megan kind of holds up her hand and smiles and waves to Kate and Kate sort of half-assed smiles back and basically sits down and doesn't even look at her and it's like if that's what's happening in the, the public eye then imagine I how know, bad I it must be. I just think of a family that's so incredibly hyper-aware that every single moment is being scrutinised and that they've got a million cameras on them at that second and that it's so important to be putting on a unified front to the public for the sake of preserving the monarchy. It was so surprising that mm. that's how cold they, they reacted to each other. You would just think even for the sake of nipping some headlines mm. in the bud that you would be... It's the first to- negative news i've seen about kate and william and ever really in britain yeah. today there's yeah. a lot about that and it just looked awkward and harry and william didn't even apparently like i've been reading reports of people who were there and apparently harry and william didn't even really speak at all didn't even look at each other it's sad it is sad and i also just think that for it to happen so soon after international women's day i think it's tone deaf of the royal family to to not see how the public sees megan as such a victim of like racially motivated sexism everyone not everyone obviously but so much of the world is in agreement that that has been such a main root of the problem and i think that having a key member of the royal family pushed out of the country because of sexist misogynistic racist tabloids and then not doing your best to throw your weight in that person's corner publicly mm. is mm. just not a particularly good look. And I just think Meghan Markle, as we've talked about before, is just going to be looked back on and studied as another example of the way that society just struggles with, you know, strong empowered, women. strong, interesting, thoughtful, eloquent women. Yeah. You know? She's so and I smart. I think the She's fact so if anyone has feelings of, I just don't like her, to go into the likability topic which we've talked about but that thing of i just feel like you hear what people talking about it i'm not sure there's just something about her i don't like yeah and it's people think people look at a woman like that and think because she's strong and smart and knows what she wants to talk about and because she's using the fact that she's known to 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 her advantage in terms of helping people in need mm. and actually coming into things and saying no this is what i want to do this is what i want to do people suddenly think that she's evil and manipulative yeah, exactly. And I think that people would do well as well to remember that we kind of sanctify Princess Diana now as this amazing kind of martyr figure that is universally beloved and the people's princess. But when she was alive and was supporting causes like causes like HIV AIDS and landmines and um, famine and all of these things that we now applaud her for, she was criticised for being attention-grabbing in a mm-hmm. media um, manipulator and for just wanting press on herself she had so many of the same criticisms leveled against her and it took her dying for everyone to suddenly say oh no she was perfect and we all adore her and she was a saint you know mm-hmm. so I think exactly. people need to keep that in mind and the likability thing is so interesting because we talked about it in our International Women's Day episode about Elizabeth Warren who was the last president, female presidential candidate who dropped out and how she suffered from really low likability ratings and anyone who's seen her amazing TikTok video <laughs> yes. will know that she's very likable. Grace, when are we getting TikTok? I don't know. We <laughs> love dancing. I know, but we're, I was going to say we're bad at it, but from everything I've seen of TikTok, it's not much skill. No, there's not much skill involved at all. A girl on bloody TikTok was invited to the Prada show. 
Yeah, and everyone was chanting her name outside and afterwards. And she's she from December. She had she said, "Oh my god, I've got a million Instagram followers in December, and now she has about nine million, and it's March. It's got it's crazy. She's got thirty four million TikTok followers. <laughs> she has she is actually a dancer. She's quite good. I was looking at um, her yesterday. But yeah, so we talked about the Elizabeth Warren likability problem, which seems a uniquely female problem. And then literally the day after we recorded, I read an interview with Sheryl Sandberg, the CEO of Facebook in the Times, and she was saying that there's data that shows that women become less likable the more successful they are in business and men become more likable the more successful they are in business and that likability is seen as essential <laughs> to succeeding in business. What? So it's literally this trap. Yeah, it's crazy. Where it's impossible to get ahead. I feel like it's almost the key thing that's stopping women succeeding, among other things. But it is this feeling that when we see women who are really successful, this weird part of our brains like, mm, I don't like her. Yeah. But that's exactly it. That's why no that's why women don't speak up in meetings. Mm-hmm. It's just it's even just so obvious on the like smaller scale of things. Even when I remember um when me and Anton were together and he was going for his first ever job out of uni because he went to uni late and I'd had about four different jobs at this point and he just goes to me oh I'm just going to ask for this much money I was like that's crazy you've never had a job before so just no you're not and then he just asked for it and then he just got it and I would never ever ever think to do that and that's just this way we've been raised to think that we we feel as women well I do anyway you feel thankful to be offered a job yeah, you, you're just like, oh my god, thank you so much for offering me this job. This is amazing. I can't believe it. Wow. And then guys are just like, well, that I deserve this job, so I'm going to ask for this. Yeah, and it's also we feel bad asking for promotions because we feel like people won't like us for asking for more, and that's true apparently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Data. And um, I just think, imagine if you knew that people would like you better if you got a promotion all the incentives that's already around getting a promotion but the we balance that out against the offset that people will like us less if we mm. succeed right mm. it's like we're weighing it up whereas if you're a man it's zero negatives mm. yeah people <laughs> you know? just think you're it's i'm gonna get more money and i'm gonna have more prestige and people are gonna respect me more and they're gonna like me more so there's literally no reason not to try this yeah we, we apologize and we always think we're doing things wrong all the time i constantly feel like i'm being annoying even if i'm asking my editor something that's going to help my work be better i'm just like oh, i just don't want to bother them that's fine yeah exactly <laughs> and the likable question is strange because i just think what is it what even is being likable I, I i feel like it's a really gendered term i don't know i that i've ever used the phrase likable in regard to a man mm, yeah but i feel yeah because i just think that with men, it doesn't really matter as much if you like them. Yeah. With women, it's everything. Yes. And something else that she said, which was really interesting, was that in business schools, married women were shown to excel by a lot more than single women in oral presentations. And I think that what that's down to is that single women are worried uh, about seeming too much to the single men in their classes. And married women don't have that concern. Mm. So they're happy being assertive and loud and kind of aggressive and dominating a room. Dominating. And women who are single who are worried about putting off potential suitors will hold back and not be as assertive and not speak as loudly. Yeah. I was reading in, um, again, I need to stop reading Trick Mirror. That's all I have to say. But um, in Gia Tolentino's 
essay, Always Be Optimizing, which we talked about last week, she said that, um, you know, she was talking kind of, she wrote the New Yorker piece on Instagram face and she was talking kind of about the Instagram woman and how we're all the same person essentially. And then she said, and then these girls on Instagram always have this partner who is just there to basically prove everything that they're saying that they are is true because Mm -hmm. this person finds them interesting and this person finds them thing thing so for a woman to have a man to kind of that's the exact thing about even being single and how there's this stigma around it it's it's as though having a guy proves your worth and proves that someone thinks you're interesting and fun enough to want to be around all the time and confirms your value yeah so people will agree that the man's supported it yeah (sighs) This is all making me (laughs) very upset. I know. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Don't I know it? Over the weekend, um news broke that Hatchet, who published Ronan Farrow's book Catch and Kill, had agreed to publish, um, an imprint from Hatchet, had agreed to publish Woody Allen's memoir. And obviously Woody Allen has been accused of sexually assaulting his daughter, Dylan Farrow, who is Ronan Farrow's sister. And Ronan Farrow's book in Catch and Kill, it literally explores the fact that Woody Allen has been accused of sexually assaulting his sister and now his publisher apparently had what they'd been in negotiations for like a year or they secretly had agreed to publish it for a year and were keeping it on the down low so that they'd be able to publish Catch and Kill. Yeah, they knew he'd be furious, so they quietly did it so he wouldn't find out so they could still get the pro- like they could still publish Catch and Kill and make all the money from it. Yeah, and then uh, off the back of that, Ronan Farrow came out and said that he was cutting ties with them. Uh, Dylan Farrow released a statement. Mia Farrow, their mum, released a statement. And then people at Hatchet's office in New York City staged a walkout um, in protest and eventually that led to Hatchet actually dropping the memoir completely so it's just a big fuck around from their part yeah exactly it's the Woody Allen thing we've talked about in the past and it's just this kind of complicated interesting crazy thing and I think the biggest conversation in the aftermath of this from what we've read we've been surprised by some of the op-eds we've read by, uh, for example, Hadley Freeman and The Guardian and other writers who basically said that this isn't a good thing, this is censoring a writer from being able to tell his story and that it's wrong to stop someone from publishing a book because of an allegation that hasn't been proven in court. So it's kind of an interesting conversation, I think, about where all of this stuff kind of sits now and how we deal with Woody Allen going forward. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think it even leads into 
So I think what Hadley Freeman was basically saying is that to stop... So you shouldn't be allowed to stop people from telling a story. Basically, she was saying it's funny that a publisher who are there to tell stories are trying to block a story from being told and that we have no right to do that. And I guess we don't have any right to do that. But then one of the Hatchet employees who was who did stage the walkout said... We don't have a right to stop this story being told, but we can decide whether we publicize it and put our weight behind it and market it and yeah, try and make it succeed. It, yeah. And it's like we've talked about before how, um, for example, I listened to a really good podcast on The New Yorker about Louis C.K.'s first comedy tour where a New Yorker writer went to this very small club in Alaska or somewhere weird to watch his first performance um, and talked about After the allegations. Yeah, yeah, it's like very, very recent. It's his first kind of comedy mm-hmm. tour, full set. And how he said it was just really disappointing and bad and he loves Louis C.K. and was hoping that he'd have a kind of redemption moment and he didn't. But we've, I bring that up because we've talked in the past about how no one should stop Louis C.K. from performing comedy again. It's his right to perform it. But it's also the right of giant, highly respected platform corporations to not throw their weight behind it. Like, I mm. think those are separate things. So it's completely fine for Woody Allen to write and publish a book, but it's also fine for prestigious publishers to not put their prestige behind his book mm. because he might, and probably on the balance of probabilities, is a child molester. Yeah. You know, I just yeah. think that that's a strange argument to make. I think if you were boycotting it ever being published in any context ever... Maybe that's a different thing. Yeah. I understand, you know, we should read books that challenge us and that are written by imperfect people and that are difficult and hard to stomach and we shouldn't just read things that are written by perfectly morally pure humans. But I just don't really think at this moment in time Woody <laughs> Allen's need... memoirs is what anyone fucking needs on a bookshelf, <laughs> you know? And I think <laughs> the thing that frustrates me about what Hadley Freeman wrote, and I, I like I do understand it, but she says, you know, he was investigated and the charges were dropped. And I was like, surely by now you are aware the way everyone else and all of the Hatchet employees were aware that it is nearly impossible to prosecute these kind of crimes. Mm. So, yes. But Mia Farrow dropped, the, dropped it because it was putting her daughter through so much. Yeah, exactly. She dropped it because her daughter was like seven and having to go to court against this man. And we've just seen how difficult it was to put Harvey Weinstein, who has sexually assaulted over 100 women in prison, and we're talking about something that happened to a child 40 years ago, mm-hmm. not being prosecuted. I feel like it's quite tone deaf to act as if... Because he did, wasn't charged. Because he wasn't charged, and therefore he's exonerated. Yeah. That's not. We know right now that's not the culture we live in. That's the whole problem. <laughs> yeah. Is yeah. that we know there's this giant gap between what is prosecuted and what actually happened, and that's what everyone is trying to navigate. And that's why Ronan Farrow wrote the fucking book. Yeah. And you're saying, well, if he, he hasn't been in jail, then just let him write it and get paid a million dollar advance and an international book tour and heaps of money and royalties. Yeah. I just think I don't understand how you could publish Catch and Kill and then think it's okay to then publish a book that gives a giant prestigious platform for someone to deny. Mm. Without, yes, without any... Because this is the thing. People are like, well, they would fact check it. It's like, we know you can't fact check this because it's one person's word against another. Mm. And a huge amount... I can't do what I was reading and Hadley Freeman was bringing up fucking oj simpson's book titled if i did it it's like oj simpson why are you writing a book if i did it yeah after murdering your wife and she kind of said and she kind of said you know those books 
uh, I actually don't know if this was Hadley. I think it was. If, if those books, um, those books were published and what was written was so flaky that it just went on to sh- disprove what the person was saying anyway. Yeah. Or something yeah, like yeah, that's, that. She was saying, she was writing about the bewildering support in the movie industry of Roman Polanski, despite being a convicted sex offender that she quoted extensively from his memoir. So the pages in which she described his attack on 13-year-old Samantha Geimer were probably the most incriminating details in the piece. So in some senses, she's saying publish it so that, what, Woody Allen can put himself in jail? Like, in jail. I don't yeah, think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think the man is a bit cleverer than to put in his new memoir that he actually did do it this whole time. I just find it a really strange... Take. But, but, oh yeah, I find it a really strange take. And I just think that something else worth bringing up is that uh, the Washington Post, this is all from a long time ago because we've been having this conversation for a billion years, um, <laughs> that the Washington Post journalist went through the entirety of Woody Allen's archive, all his private notes, his diaries and everything, and basically found this obsessive behavior towards young and teenage girls he has it's in his films is if anyone's seen manhattan it's the whole story it's a recurring theme in everything that he's ever written he was going to therapy for the way he um wanted to act towards young kids before these allegations were even made he married his stepdaughter okay and (laughs) anyone who married his stepdaughter it's just bizarre thing that people seem to have around Uh, you know he's an artist and this is like a wacky thing artists do no this is a man who was with there's pictures of him in his 40s with Sonia Previn when she's nine or ten years old he may not have been her legal father but he was a father figure from the point she was a prepubescent child and started having an affair with her a quote-unquote affair when she was a teenager that is the most textbook example of grooming Mm. I have ever heard Mm. and just because the man makes bloody art house films with jazz music in the background does not exonerate him from being a pedophile I just don't (laughs) understand this conversation and I just it's this whole thing about separating the artist and the art it's just this ongoing conversation we're going to go round and round and round about forever no one is asking you to forget that any Woody Allen movie has existed. No one is asking you to forget that any Roman Polanski movie existed or that Michael Jackson existed. We can't pretend that they never happened. But I think the bigger thing is to look at how it's affected society that the people making our art are like this. Mm. You know? If someone is has pedophilic tendencies and is making our most respected, acclaimed films and they all have storylines about neurotic men who leave their boring older wives for interesting, cute, super young woman. How is that messing up our culture? Like, I Mm -hmm. feel like that's a more interesting conversation than you can't separate the art from the artist. It's like, don't. Look at the art and how the artist has fucked up our society. Yeah, and what we're watching on our screens because they're making them and saying that's okay. Yeah, exactly. So true. I'd never even thought of it from that perspective before. I thought about it after the Rose McGowan interview with Ryan and Farrow aired. The whole thing is really worth listening to if anyone hasn't listened to it. It's on the Catch and Kill podcast. Should we insert? Is it? Yeah, there'll be a clip. Yeah, we'll insert it. Because I listened to it this morning and I absolutely loved it. The dude who directed Transformers, I walked into his casting office once and there were all these women in there standing there and they had bikinis on and just placards around their neck with numbers, according to how hot they were as it turned out. This is Michael Bay. This is Michael Bay. 
it's his idea of how he rates women, how he thinks about women. Or, so it's kind of like how people are treated behind the scenes there, or how they're treated on screen is how we're treated in the world. And, and the cycle goes on. Well, and you, you watch those movies and many others like them. And Completely women is. are shot in a certain way. They are relegated to certain kinds of roles in the plot. Yeah, and it's just about the drip, drip, drip of poison going into your mind when you're like just chilling out at home. And another thing that happened this week that relates very directly, very annoyingly, is that Roman bloody Polanski just won a Caesar Award in France, which is their highest honor. It's basically a French Oscar. And actress Hadel Hanel, who is currently prosecuting another French director for sexually abusing her as a child, stormed out of the ceremony yelling shame. And it's kind of kicked off this me too conversation in France again, where the conversation's kind of stagnated. Can you uh, fill people in if they're not sure exactly of Roman Polanski is the guy that uh, Sharon Tate was married to in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when she was killed. Yes. And he has now six allegations of rape against him and was found guilty of statutory rape in Los Angeles and then for having sex with a 13-year-old girl, raping a 13-year-old girl when he was 43 years old and he fled the country and has been in exile ever since. How can they not just get him? That's crazy. France doesn't extradite their people. People. So he can just live in France. He but just he lives can't in live. France with his wife and he just, yeah, he can't go to America, but he can travel elsewhere. Huh. Yeah, so I just dismay that this is happening we just said before as you said i feel like we kind of rehash the same conversation sometimes but that like yeah i said i'm worried that we're repeating ourselves but then i was like we're only repeating ourselves because woody um hatchet just tried to publish a memoir by woody allen and roman polanski just won a freaking french oscar we're not repeating ourselves for no reason we're not just just back on amber heard and joining it for like absolutely no reason yes we would just love to never ever have to talk about (laughs) this again but it's just crazy to me because it just says so much about where our culture's at with women you talk about bloody international women's days happened and these two things have happened in the same week yeah and we think we've progressed so far harvey weinstein's going to jail and roman polanski's winning french oscars it's just doesn't compute in my brain still and i think that i was reading this really depressing piece from a war correspondent about the use of rape in war zones in the middle east at the moment and it was about child sex abuse and I was so upset reading it and thinking, why can't we get a grip on this? And then the next thing I read is that someone that we know did the exact same thing is being lauded with the highest cultural honor you can get in Europe. Mm. You know, what is wrong with our culture? It's so hard not to get angry about it because I, know. I just don't know what to do. Yeah, exactly. I just, yeah, I feel as though it's just really disheartening and it's, sad as well because i mean we were talking about this and we touched on this with everyone we interviewed um at that pandora event we went to about when did you realize that women weren't equal to men and it's like the more you think about it the angrier you get and but there's i feel like there's nothing we can do about it yeah because anger just kind of burns away at you and you don't well that's what you said to me to use it for yeah. yeah you've said this to me and you said i don't like she said i hate how angry you are because it doesn't serve you any purpose. It mm. just makes you feel worse. This ends up hurting you. That's what I mean. It doesn't actually end up hurting any of the people that you're angry at. It just sits and, and damages you over time. But if I'm you sure everyone I used it, to then... think Beyonce's song, Who Run the World, and I would just dance around being like <laughs> girls. And now I'm like, what the fuck she on about? Like, literally. Maybe, fucking Beyonce, maybe for Beyonce, 
<laughs> she doesn't even have a fucking scumbag husband still cheating on her. <laughs> Seriously. This is a fucking shit song. It's not true. No, no. It is just crazy. Sometimes I feel as if we're in this kind of weird black mirror universe it's who said it feels like screaming inside a box maggie marilyn yeah yeah it, that's how i feel about sexism i feel like i'm screaming in a box trying to get people do care i'm not saying that people don't care but i think people don't want to engage with things it's not fun to talk about someone who sexually abused a child like no one wants to sit and talk about that it's not uplifting it doesn't make us feel good it's horrible to think about it's depressing we don't want to think that human nature is like that but yeah, and that's what I just said to you. I said, is this episode just too serious? But then, I don't know. I just, I love it when we have episodes and we laugh and chat. And I love how we can flick back and forth between talking about, literally in our text conversations, between talking about Halsey saying she's been sexually assaulted and both of us crying and then flick back to... Peter's back with, back with, with <laughs> Diane. And back with the ex. Yeah. And I love that. And I think that's what... I think that... A small thing. Isn't this what your mum said? A small thing that we can kind of take refuge in is that everyone who listens to this podcast and even us speaking about it together is helping in some small way. Exactly. And if you're fed up with this, you're not alone. You know, I think sometimes we can feel as if we're sitting here and we're the only people that care about this. But I think everyone cares about it. We just feel paralyzed by not knowing what to do. Mm. But... It is changing. I mean, even the Time magazine thing, that might seem to some people like a futile gesture, but they basically retroactively gave a bunch of amazing women Time covers to make up for the fact that they hadn't done it in the past. Mm. I think that's amazing, Mm. you know? It made me feel so happy because it made me feel as if things are kind of slowly getting corrected. And even the fact that everyone's furious and people are storming out of the Caesar Awards because they're so disgusted is a good sign. Yeah. And the culture minister of France said... This is a really bad reflection of where we're at for women's rights, you know? Mm. So I, it is changing. Don't be too depressed. But and Weinstein's going to jail. Weinstein's going to jail. We just need to be vigilant, you know, and not turn away from distasteful conversations because we don't like them. Because when we, don't, when we do that, people get hurt again. Yeah. Know? And also, bloody coronavirus is freaking me out. <laughs> <laughs> just on me the topic too. of depressing things. This year is so scary. So we started with the bushfires, which were horrific. And then now there's a fucking global pandemic where we might not ever be able to travel again for the next year. And everyone's stocking up on toilet paper. And then I thought they were all crazy and was laughing about it. And now I think that maybe I should stock up on toilet paper. (laughs) Even so on the weekend, because we've obviously come back from a couple of hot spots and I was going to go see some family members and my aunt is quite ill and my cousin has a young baby and Zach's had a few like fluey symptoms and we kind of said he's got the virus he's got it (laughs) um we said we probably shouldn't go see them because it's just not worth the risk of putting someone's health at risk and I just said how did we get to this point where we're not seeing family members when they're in town because of a global pandemic that we might contract Mm. to a baby this is just insane yeah it feels like something out of a Hollywood movie and it feels as though the climate well like the climate crisis and coronavirus aren't directly linked but literally as the temperature of the earth continues to rise more and more illnesses are going to pop up like this <laughs> everyone's going to take their headphones out and be like this is why i listen to you two you're freaking me out I'm anxious well, about everything. 
Just go and watch back with the X and then come back. We need to include a warning that people will need rescue remedy before they listen to this episode. I know. But yeah, I'm a bit freaked out too. It all feels a bit. I don't know. And it seems. The stimulation is glitching. Yeah, in. and then the Patuda Advocates um, post was so funny and so spot on because I was like, I know that it's not about me. <laughs> but now we moved to London, we're never going to be able to travel in our lives. The Batuta Advocate was like, coronavirus finally hits home as Escot mum forced to reconsider Tuscany in July. <laughs> I was like, that's <laughs> literally me. Oh. oh, well. What's the light note we can find? I'm trying on? to think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Same. Anything. It's positive. Um, <coughs> my god. Can you not? <laughs> coronavirus freak. <laughs> Go home. Um... <laughs> What the hell? What's there positive? has to be something good. I don't know. Maybe Zendaya. What about it? I don't know. She's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> we can't find anything, so sorry. I <laughs> had a little scroll trying to find something positive, and I found nothing apart from um, Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez doing that flip the switch dance, which is actually kind of cute. And also, um, do you think he bought another dress that looked like hers? Because if he put hers on, he would have ruined it. Yeah, I think they got one made. Cute. And also, uh, I love Zendaya <laughs> and her boyfriend. Is have you Australian? seen? Have you seen Euphoria? No. Apparently, it's so 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 good. I watched the first episode and it freaked me out. Yeah. It was apparently it's really intense. It was so intense, and I was like, teenagers aren't really like this. This is crazy. And if they are, they all need to be. <laughs> sanctioned <laughs> it was scary so I watched and I watched the first episode the, when I was living in America the week it came out because I was living with a girl who worked at Netflix and another um, music video director and they know the woman who made it mm. and so we watched it together and the whole time I was watching it I was like this is crazy and bad and then it just apparently is really incredible so we should watch it but she goes out with her co-star and I don't think he is Australian maybe he is why do I think that I don't think he they is were in either. Australia alright Anyway. That's cute. We can end on a little bit of Zendaya. Yeah, he is. He's Australian. He's from Brisbane. Bay. Little muffin. Jacob Alordi. There's definitely a contingent of people listening who think we sound 600. I know. They're like, Jacob Alordi. What a hunk. I know. I'm like, I didn't know anyone had come out of Australia since Chris Hemsworth. Okay, well, thank you for listening to this episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe only if it's five stars and positive. We needed almost to split the really brain dead episode and this episode in, in, in half somehow yes. so we could have like a bit of a balance. A bit of giggling over crap and then intense stuff. Yeah. I know. There's, you never know what you're going to find when you start an episode it's of After always, Drinks. It's always a nice little surprise. <laughs> Sorry to everyone who needs to go meditate now. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, we can't even change the name of our podcast. <laughs> to what? I don't know. Depresso drinks. <laughs> <laughs> the Depresso Hour. <laughs> okay. Bye. Okay, everyone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Alordi used to go out with Joey King. I wasn't concentrating on saying it. <laughs> well, and I was, was like, I don't know. I was like, who's Joey King? And I realized it was like, 
cute girl from that <laughs> movie about Munchausen. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 